Hello, and welcome to this season of the Feminist Voices podcast. My name is Mika Sanchez, and I am one of the 2019-2020 Feminist Narratives interns. This season, we sat down with student artists to talk about their artistic journeys and learn about how they maintain their creative practices while at Stanford. For our fourth episode, I sat down with Michelle Ibarra to hear about her work as a visual artist, writer, and poet. We hope you enjoy. So if you want to just start with your name, pronouns if you're comfortable sharing, and what form of art you practice. I'm Michelle Ibarra. I'm from the Mission District in San Francisco. Um, my pronouns are she, her, and my art practice is visual art and I write, I write a little bit. I write a little bit. I dance a little bit. I have a little, little, little flavor in there. A lot of <laughs> multimedia, but mostly visual art and writing. Just mm-hmm. words and pictures kind of make my brain work properly. They kind of, they're, they're cute. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you're part of Spoken Word Collective, right? Yes, I am. Mm-hmm. So what was the point in your life that you realized that you wanted to be an artist? Okay, so one day I came home from preschool. <laughs> <laughs> I told my dad. Who, and I, I've come from a Latino family and stuff, a Latinx family, mm-hmm. and so my mom came to the U.S. when she was 15. My dad was born here, but his parents moved from Mexico, so they're very much bent on like making sure that when I go to college, it's to do a like a like a STEM career or mm-hmm. something that'll earn me money in the future, because they're very much worried about security or like financial security, especially growing up low income. So I came home from preschool. I was like, I want to be an artist. But I was like, maybe you should be a pharmacist. <laughs> and I was, and then I was just like, mm, pharmacy sounds great. But then later on, as years passed, I wanted to be a lawyer and a doctor. But then I go went back to like artists. Mm-hmm. Like it was always artists at the end of the day. And I, I told my dad later on, I was like, I want to be an artist and stuff. He's like, well, you're back at square one. And I was like, well, <laughs> at that, so I've kind of just always been drawn to making things and stuff. And it's also been the only thing I could really focus on, like writing, like the way my thoughts like unravel in front of me and stuff is a really fulfilling feeling mm-hmm. and also visual art like you don't necessarily have to focus on it you just work with your hands and stuff and it's very physical and material you just focus on one thing at a time and then it's like easy for me to spend hours upon hours upon hours just like writing or drawing or painting and it just like sucks me in and it doesn't like let me go in terms of like schoolwork and academic stuff, and I love learning about things, but the way learning is like presented within the public school system and within the university system, whether it's public or private, it's in a way that's not very human. It's very lecture based. It's very mm-hmm. this and this and that. It's very like you will memorize this or this is something that you're supposed to know, and it's also all very Eurocentric. So I couldn't being strictly an academic or being strictly an artist. Like I don't think I could do either. I think I have to blend the two. I like the way like the things I learn on my own inform my art Mm -hmm. I don't think I could call myself just an artist if I'm always learning about things that are outside of art Mm -hmm. so how does being at a place like Stanford impact your art practice well (laughs) (laughs) well um okay so being first generation low-income student as a first generation low-income student (laughs) is what I do is type out in all my emails before I ask for extensions but (laughs) I thought all my problems would go away once I got to Stanford. I thought that like, oh, like I'm at Stanford, that was the objective that everyone was talking about and stuff, right? But I just arrived at a very different set of problems that like navigating institution that's like Stanford that's like built on a foundation of colonialism and white supremacy and like everything that the education system as a whole has been built upon. Every good thing I've gotten from Stanford has been from the people and has been from like 
the opportunities I've gotten either through them or through different like resources, whether it's the Fly Center, whether it's in Centro, whether it's like QSpace or whether it's like like any other organization on campus. And also just like the conversation I have with people because I, I live in San Francisco and San Francisco is like, although it's very diverse, it's also very homogenous mm-hmm. in terms of like life experiences and stuff. If you grow up in the city, you kind of like all have a similar background in terms of like, I know that this bus will get me to this spot or mm-hmm. yeah, I definitely spent an afternoon at Dolores Park or like, yeah, I definitely did this and this and this. And there's some quintessential experiences that everyone ends up sharing in San Francisco. But here it's like everyone has a completely different background. And I'd never experienced it until I got to Stanford. I was like, wow, people people are different? Crazy. <laughs> but um, and that's not to say that the San Francisco community isn't diverse and doesn't have their own things this year. Um, but it's definitely just a different experience. And I think I've gained more, like, I think empathy from being here and stuff. Because I hear more people's stories and backgrounds who are different than mine. And I kind of understand more why they think the way they think. Or I kind of understand who they are as people. When I encounter someone who's like, seems to be very different from me or comes from a different background than I am and stuff. And they tell me about that. I understand how it's shaped the ways we interact. Mm -hmm. And so because of that, I don't know, I've gotten a lot of value from that and it's made me a more empathetic person. But the thing about Stanford is like, there's nothing, no flavor. (laughs) 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 There's not really flavor in terms of not only the curriculum itself, but like where the campus is situated. I feel like being here is like living in a sensory deprivation tank sometimes. <laughs> I know it's really strong, <laughs> but like there's nothing, it's pretty homogenous in terms of the environment. And it's interesting because like San Francisco was not homogenous in terms of the environment, but more in terms of the people. Mm-hmm. And here it's more homogenous in terms of the environment as opposed to the people. Mm-hmm. But I didn't realize how much environment would affect me as an artist and stuff, and how much I actually, all my art is based around San Francisco. Uh-huh. So it's like, Wow, so this has been like a definitely an adjustment period. I'm trying to find adventure and find new experiences because in San Francisco, you go to one part of the city, you can have a totally different day than another part of the city. Mm-hmm. You know, things are constantly changing, things are moving, things are always happening, but here it feels a little bit sleepier. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, and for some people who come from the suburbs and move here and stuff, doesn't really feel like that much of a difference. Or people who come from like a very small town and move here, it's like, oh, things are always happening. But I feel like things are happening a little bit they're happening fast in all the wrong ways. Right, right. You know, people are always, like, too busy to, like, I don't know, just, like, take a minute to, like, talk to we people. Did, it's really easy to just lose yourself. Yeah, it's so easy to, like, lose yourself within all the schoolwork and stuff, mm-hmm. right? And it feels very routine, and mm-hmm. I hate routines. Uh-huh. And so it's been kind of stifling for me as an artist and stuff. And also the fact that there's, like, not a lot of allocated time to make art mm-hmm. unless you take an art practice class but art practice classes cost money, and I do not have that. Mm-hmm. Or there's no allocated time to like just do art freely. I went to an arts high school in San Francisco, and I spent, I would say like three to four to five hours just working on pieces a day on mm-hmm. independent projects. And that was so fulfilling, and I didn't realize how lucky I was to have that as an experience in high school mm-hmm. until I got here. And it's like, if you do have time to make art, it's under a set of constrictions. Mm-hmm. So it's like, that's definitely affected my practice, but overall Stanford has really given me a lot of opportunities and I'm very much like, the people I've met here and the people who are making art here and who manage to make art despite the way the system is set up so that you're not producing things that aren't like contributing to capitalist like experiences, Mm -hmm. um, the way they're making art is like, 
that survives all that feels like all the more much more powerful mm-hmm. you know because it's making art despite the fact that this system is built to make us make things that are profitable mm-hmm. rather than things that speak to human experiences right so I know you we're friends I've seen your art I've heard your poetry and a lot of your art is very reflective of your identity and mm-hmm. the back your background so what is something that you believe is central and essential to your craft so I have a lot of different backgrounds and stuff, being, being low-income, being Latina, not being neurotypical, like having a lot of experiences in the city, being from the Mission District, being like the daughter of an immigrant versus the daughter of like someone who's born here, whose parents are immigrants, so it's like Chicano and Latina, and just like Chicano and Latina. So I have two experiences and like living in ethnic neighborhoods and stuff. Like my school district for middle school was 95% minority enrollment rate. That was also another shock about going to Stanford and stuff, like the amount of white people on Stanford's campus, which is very shocking to me and stuff, especially like only coming from ethnic neighborhoods. So that, like the lack of diversity here has been something I've needed to adjust to. And how do I stay calm when I'm being microaggressed all the time? <laughs> but um, aside from those identities and aside from the experience that I talk about, and oh yeah, just like all the things that have happened within my family and how they've all manifested themselves in my art and like narr- personal narratives and like anecdotes and everything. Um, aside from those core identities, I think my art is really based on empathy. Like I don't think, I think a lot of people make art with absolutely no empathy and stuff, right? Or they try to speak on experiences that aren't theirs. And it's like a lot of people, especially in terms of like a lot of art that belongs to activists and stuff, Mm-hmm. especially activists who hold certain privileges whether they're white or cis or straight like they want to help so then they appropriate this experience via art and then they're just like oh i'm helping i'm like i'm contributing to the cause and stuff or i'm like bringing awareness to this is an experience that people have but it's not their experience mm-hmm. and plenty of people are talking about their own experiences so why don't you just highlight the people who are actually talking about things they've experienced and stuff I think empathy is a really basic thing. And also, like, this one I need more practice with, but empathy for myself. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I'm really, really hard on myself. And I guess it's the self-critical nature of, like, being an artivist. <laughs> being an artist. And also just, like, not being neurotypical. I get really frustrated with, like, the way my brain works and stuff. And mm-hmm. just, like, how I don't think and, like... I feel really helpless a lot of the time. And also just like being a fly student on this campus, like it's easy to feel helpless and stuff. Like everything is built against you. Like how how are you supposed to do anything and operate under that? So I need to work on more empathy towards myself. But I think a lot of artists lack basic empathy and art is all about relating to one another and stuff. Mm-hmm. Even if it isn't like, even if you're seeing a piece that isn't necessarily your story and stuff, you could find yourself within it. There's things to learn from other people and stuff, and we absorb that, and then we use it to reflect on our own experiences, and then that makes us better people inherently. Um, and you mentioned activism. Mm-hmm. So how can art be an inspiration for activism? I think art is not necessarily just inspiration, but it is the activism in itself and stuff, because mm-hmm. it's drawing attention to, like, a problem being within our society and stuff. It makes people reflect on it in different ways, you know? Because you could tell someone, like, oh, this is the problem, blah, 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 right? But, like, how do you make them feel the problem and internalize the problem? Because, like, the institutions that we live in are so corrupt and so ingrained into us, whether that's racism or xenophobia or, like, um, homophobia or just transphobia or any sort of phobia that's ingrained into all our systems and stuff, right? Art as activism... It decontextualizes life and presents them in a way that, like, 
you can see where the problems are and you can see how they need to be addressed and you can also see how they affect individuals because art makes an individual and art is a reflection of what the artist is experiencing, right? Mm -hmm. And it's easy to like personify, when you personify a problem, just instead of just saying like, this is a problem and you attach a person to it, it makes people a lot more motivated to act and stuff. That's why certain activists are like invested in certain causes and stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Like if like me, like I'm very much invested in like anti-gentrification like affordable housing stuff that's because i grew up in a neighborhood where things are being gentrified rapidly and people are forced to their houses and there's four families living in one single family home and there's like people are i'm like san francisco is like the largest homeless population of any city in the u.s or one of the largest homeless populations of any city in the u.s so there's like i see that and it's like well that's something i see and experience or like having like my house pre-foreclosed upon and stuff or like nearly getting evicted a lot of the time and stuff it's like it's something i've experienced and then i've made it into art it's something i can talk about and it's something i'm drawn to in like art activism movements right so it's like when you attach like it to a person whether it's yourself or another person it becomes more of a tangible issue rather than just something that you're talking about in abstract mm-hmm. you know especially when people have a lot of privileges that don't let them see that sometimes they have to see that through a person and then it could motivate also like Art is not just meant to serve other people and stuff, it's meant to serve the artist itself. Mm-hmm. Art is I, healing, absolutely. Yeah. Art is definitely like, I don't want to be like, oh, art is like meant to, it's the responsibility of the artist to send the message to people, but at the end of the day, people interpret that message however they want, mm-hmm. or they receive that message, and the action that follows it is not like the artist's responsibility to be like, you saw my art, now you gotta go do this and this and this. The artist, it's, I think it's great that the artist does say that and stuff, or that the artist like has some sort of like combines art and activism in a way that has a follow-up plan to like, you see this art, and then, oh, these are steps you can take to like contributing to like solving this issue, or contributing to minimizing the effect of this issue. At the end of the day, art is also really for the artist too. Mm-hmm. Like art heals communities, art helps people. Art is just like a way to heal trauma. Art is more needed than ever now, and it's always been needed. It's always been a way to tell stories and stuff. But art is really needed in a world where it's like people aren't acting like people anymore. <laughs> and we could argue that we've always lived in a very dysfunctional world and stuff, and that like everything has always been horrible. But like as more and more tech rises and as we become less and less, at least in terms of interacting with one another and stuff, we become less focused on interacting with other people and less focused on communicating and less focused on, like, experiencing our emotions and rather produ- producing things that, like, contribute to capitalism. We are trained to contribute to capitalism and uphold capitalism and uphold how these inequalities exist within our world. And we don't, we don't live for ourselves, we live to uphold the system. Mm-hmm. And what art does, it helps to heal that, it helps to separate you from that system. So I think especially in higher education, art is so, so needed. Art is so needed because it's like, it's like giving you a gift to yourself. It's like, oh, I'm going to take this moment to like process myself. I'm going to take this moment to be like, I'm living life right now. And this is a piece that's going to reflect on the way I'm in which I'm living life at this moment. Or I'm going to make this piece that'll like tell a story that like I've been dying to tell and stuff. But like, you know, I've been neglecting myself Mm -hmm. or I've been neglecting to tell it. So... Yeah, art's just really, really, really needed. Like, just so badly. I think everyone should pick up some sort of art. I mean, some people are not artsy, super artsy people, but I don't think you necessarily even have to be an artsy people to pick up an art and stuff, right? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. 
And like also just like I mean for me personally like visual art and writing are my main art practices and stuff, right? But I also have art practices that I'm not as invested in that I do just for the sake of getting things out there, mm-hmm. like salsa dancing or like what like I have ukulele. I know four chords, <laughs> but <laughs> I don't really know how to play it. Mm-hmm. But like it's relaxing because I don't feel pressured to make something at the end of it. Like it's like. I'm not gonna freak out because I like, oh my god, I couldn't finish this song or like I couldn't get this choreo right because I'm it's it's not that deep, you know? Uh-huh. Like it's not does it's not like taking something from me, it's just an, a relief. It's just like a breath of air. So I don't know, people can use art in the way they want to use art. Art doesn't necessarily have to like be all consuming, but I think it's a thing that can help you be a person. <laughs> yeah. Alright, awesome. That was perfect. Oh okay. Wow. Thank you so much for listening. Tune in next week where we speak with June about their practice in animation.